Rangers. We've got football coming up tonight. The NFL season kicks off with the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs playing host to the Houston Texans. Out on the diamond, it was a beautiful day for some baseball. And heading into 2020, many people thought there would be no high school football. Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. You're listening to WNCT 9 on your side Sports Talk with Sports Director Brian Bailey, Nolan Knight, and Kelsey O'Donnell. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining our WNCT 9 Your Side Sports Talk. I'm Kelsey O'Donnell, joined alongside Sports Director Brian Bailey. Nolan Knight is not joining us today. He's out on assignment. Um, he's got some volleyball here in North Carolina, started tryouts today, and cross-country. Um, but in his place, joined up over the phone, is Stephen Clayton. Stephen, welcome. So for those of you listening, um, Stephen Clayton is a certified high school and college official for football. We'll get into why we have him on here. It's not to um, referee our talking today, Brian versus Kelsey, yeah, we <laughs> although might we may that. need that. <laughs> um, we are going to dive into the East Carolina game, and I really wanted to bring Stephen in to talk about what it's like behind the whistle and what you guys see on the field um, and the whole nine yards. So before we get to that, I'm going to toss it over to Brian Bailey just to kind of explain for those of you listening what went on during the East Carolina-Tulsa game on Friday. It came down to the the final drive for Tulsa, trying to take the lead in the game. And uh, the first thing that happened that was a little bit out of whack was the interference call. Uh, that came on fourth down, and that came from an official that was way in the back. So we'd like to talk to uh, Stephen about that and how that call was made. It could have gone either way, in my opinion. I've looked at it a thousand times, and I, and I can see both sides. I think our point in this, and we'll, we'll – I guess we could go each, each one of these situations with Stephen instead of doing them all three at one time. So let's mm-hmm. go one by one. Um, Stephen, I think the, the main problem with Pirate fans with seeing that is that the official from like 35, 40 yards away was the one that made the call. Uh, I understand that some officials have told me that sometimes you can see something from a different angle that somebody else can't see. But can you see the frustration from Mike Houston and company when you got two officials within five or six yards that don't throw a flag and then one from 35 or 40 that does? A- absolutely. I've had situations like that in games I've worked uh where the play may be five or ten yards right in front of me and i i normally work as a deep official so i'm usually either a field judge or a side judge and it could be that i was straight lined on the play and i'm not able to see it but the angle that the back judge or uh the short wing whether it's the headline judge or the line judge has may have a better angle on it than i I have on it and that that could be why the flag comes in from so far away and it was it was really just uh, and strange, but I do understand the different angles and and you see different things on that same topic. The next play that came up was uh, the situation where you had the ball carrier carrying a football. Uh, the ball was stripped. He was kind of juggling it as he went to his knee. It then popped out again. It was ruled a fumble on the field, and then it was overturned by replay. Uh, did you see that play? And what were your thoughts on that play? I, I, I've got a three-year-old at the house. That at that point, I was actually in, in the bed sleeping. <laughs> uh, and the, the league I work in, we don't have the fortunate uh, opportunity to have replay. Uh, so we have to just go by what we see on the field. The only replay we get is on targeting if the conference or if the school allows it for a non-conference game. 
uh, to review targeting at halftime. So I think the problem with, with the review there was the fact that when you, and maybe this happens when you're reviewing targeting as well, but when you take a piece of video and go frame by frame by frame, you can almost tell any story that you want. I think that's what happened in this case. And this is the this is the situation. The American came out on Saturday morning and said there was an error by the replay official, uh, basically apologizing to, to East Carolina. Didn't do them a whole lot of good, obviously. You can't award them a victory or anything like that. But right. uh, they at least admitted there was a mistake. But I think what happened in this instance that there was a sliver of video, a freeze frame, that showed the ball carrier with the ball. It looked like he had it controlled and his knee was down. But I think if you run it in slow-mo or in, in real time, you can see that the ball really never nestled into his arm. He never really regained control. And I think that's what Mike Houston and company was saying about that one. And that one was acknowledged by the American. Then you had a fourth down play where the ball was thrown you know, over the middle from about 10, 11 yards, I think, on the play. And it looked like the ball skipped off the ground. And that one was ruled a catch on the field, was reviewed, and, and the review stood. And the call stood. And, again, if you take it frame by frame, there's an obvious frame where you can see the ball touching the ground and you can see some of those rubber pellets that, that had popped up uh, from the field turf. So I think that that's another situation that worked on the opposite way with East Carolina. But uh, it was just a total, you know, number. I mean, you, know, you don't see three calls go against a team like that on a final drive usually, do you? Uh, you usually, I don't. I don't feel like you do. Uh, I mean, I can't. I can't say much about the officiating uh, per se, but. Uh, I mean, like I said, in the leagues I work in, we don't have the, the fortunate opportunity to go with replay. And if we look, our, our replay basically is at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning when we get the e- email saying the film's up from the game. Mm-hmm. And when you guys look at the film then, you, you, if you have any controversial plays or anything like that, you're able to go through and look at it. But do you see the point, uh, if you go frame by frame, sometimes you can tell a different story? Yes. I mean, you, you definitely can. I mean, when when I'm working a game, I kind of know. Okay, at uh, at six twenty nine left in the third quarter, there was a play I want to take a look at uh, on film once it comes out. And eighty five ninety percent of the time, I've usually made the correct call uh, on the field. Or if it's something that it's a combination of myself and another official, our, our accuracy rates pretty good uh within our league we feel and Stephen, what um leagues do you officiate in i'm in the the old dominion athletic conference and usa south division both of them are division three leagues so when you are out on that field what is going through your mind what specifically are you looking for and then again when you do go back to critique yourself what are you thinking in your head I mean, I, the the biggest thing is, especially if we're looking at a completion, uh, if if I'm looking at if I'm seeing the ball, then I'm going to concentrate on the on the ball, and I've got a tandem partner, whether it's the back judge or if it's the short wing, so it's uh, line judge or head line line judge, looking to see the feet staying bound and then communicating uh, to see. Uh, I remember I had a play last year uh, early in the season. Uh, like that, that I had a bang bang catch for a touchdown, 
And uh, I'm like, I'm about 95% sure I got this right. And coach reviewed the film and everything and then went ahead and let our referee know that, yeah, uh, the side judge made an awesome call on that touchdown. Mm -hmm. He had the focus and accuracy to, to make that call right. So I do think it's so interesting. I know we were talking about this before we hit record on the podcast. I also am being trained as a U.S. lacrosse official here in eastern North Carolina. And I know as an official, there's so many different things that you guys are looking for that fans, coaches, even players don't necessarily think of, which I have so much respect for you guys. Even as a player, I did some smaller um, lacrosse officiating, but the respect I have for officials in making that call and keeping players safe on the field. Yet from time to time, you're going to get a call wrong. No one's perfect, obviously, but your goal is to keep everyone safe. And I think it is, um, obviously there is no replay with you guys, but having that opportunity, do you feel that it benefits us? Or do you think that once you make a call, it should stand? I mean, having worked in in leagues with no replay, I mean, we we got to go what's on the field, mm-hmm. uh, and then we basically, like I said, eight o'clock on on Sunday morning, we get we get the film from the night from the day before, the night before, and get to then break down the field film and see, okay, uh, we may be looking at a holding call that we made in the game and. Uh, we let we may have let the coach know that the holding call was grab and restrict because we've got various categories that we have to do for whether it's holding, offensive pass interference, defensive pass interference, and then we look back at the play and say, you know something, that holding call, it may have looked like we had grab and restrict on the field, but now we're looking at it back on the film, mm-hmm. and yeah, he grabbed him a little bit, but the restriction wasn't all the way there. So do any of these play calls, when you guys go back to look at them, does that affect your rating as an official? Different leagues have different policies. Uh, We're not heavily heavily graded like some other leagues are, but uh, that does affect, though, uh, the opportunity to work postseason games. Uh, That If if you've got uh, some incorrect calls, your opportunity to possibly work postseason may not be there uh, in some leagues as, as is other leagues. You know, the bottom line for replay, it was designed to correct a blatantly wrong call. And, and the officials do a great job, and, and usually they get everything right, as you were mm-hmm. saying. You know, it, it was just designed to if something really gets messed up and there's no angle that anybody sees and you look at the replay. But what's happening is they're trying to be so exact and trying to use the technology, you know, so they get everything right that I think they screw it up more often than not with the replay. <laughs> I mean, I really do. I'd rather see a game where you see the call on the field. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if, if, if you make a bad call on the field and, one, you know, your refereeing buddy comes running over and you trust him enough and he says, look, man, you, you, you got that one wrong. There, there's no way that foot was in bounds. Then you'll say, okay, you know, you're right. You wave mm-hmm. it off. And, and that's what good officials do. Mm-hmm. And that's good officiating. And I just think, you know, now they've gone to this whole thing with technology and going to replay. And I swear, uh, Exhibit A was the other night because, 
I just couldn't believe what I was watching. And I really felt, felt for coach Houston and company. Cause I know how hard they're working over there. I know how, you know, wins are hard to come by. They're playing one of the best teams in the American athletic conference on right. the road in a COVID-19 screwed up season. And they have a chance. And as he said, when he sat down for his press conference, he said, Hey, we should be singing the fight song right now. I know. We should be celebrating a win, but it didn't happen. And you got to move on. And it's Tulane this week. It really was a heartbreaking loss. And, after seeing those post-game conferences with Houston, you can't not you can't dislike the guy. I mean, he put so much passion and so much emotion into this team. And really looking at that game, yeah, you had a few turnovers in the first half, but that team regrouped and they clicked. And really, especially being on the road and playing, like you said, yeah. one of the a greater team on your schedule, I thought it was a really great turnout. And essentially, if you're looking at the big picture, I truly believe ECU would be around – three and two right now. Versus... Well, they could have beaten Navy because you right. know, the Navy fiasco with the false positive for Holton. And, and they yeah. really they really played the best defensive game against Navy in some time. I mean, in a long, long time. Because we all know Navy put, puts points after point after point on the board yeah. in the East Carolina game. So the defense played really well in that game. The coaches really felt like that it, had Holton been in there under center that they would have gotten some things opened up and, right. and played, you know, because Rajay Harris ended up with over 100 yards. Goodness, and they knew yes. he was going to run the football. <laughs> He did awesome. And yeah, like you said, Ehlers, um, this past game completed 38 of 50 passes for 330 yards yeah. and three touchdowns. Incredible after coming off the bench and having that um, mishap with COVID-19. But looking at the schedule as a whole, you start with UCF. Loss, I get it, first game. Georgia State maybe should have won that one. Not necessarily their best performance. UCF, awesome win. Looking at the remainder of the schedule, I say going into this two-lane game, it feels like we're riding a three-game win streak. Yeah, I, I think the players are playing with a lot more confidence. Right. And I think we're going to see a really good effort. Now, Tulane, they went to Temple or played Temple last week. Uh, Temple got a field goal early, and then uh, Tulane put 38 unanswered right. on them. So, I mean <laughs> – you know, you, you, every team in the American has, you know, is is really the American is is so underrated as far as a conference goes, and I'm looking for a really good game Saturday. And Houston said the same thing. You know, he said they're a good football team, outstanding, outstanding in all three phases, and it will be a good game. I want to backtrack a little bit, Stephen, talking about officiating. What made you really want to get into the game and call plays on your end? So it got started when I was in college at UNC Charlotte. Uh, I was a college kid, broke, just needed a job. And my sister's like, the intramural office is always hiring people. So went out and uh, ref flag football that year at UNC Charlotte. Uh, was actually, actually halfway decent at it, according to my <laughs> supervisor at the time. And he's like, uh, well, why don't you get uh, – get going into doing some high school high school games so uh at the time in charlotte uh pretty much every school in the charlotte area would have a uh sixth official running the clock Mm -hmm. so got into working the clock games and got on the field for some jv games at the time uh so worked three years in charlotte took a season off was just that just finished up college kind of moving around and then 2010, uh, kind of got some roots stuck down here in the eastern part of the state uh, and was trying to figure out who, who do I want to officiate with and got got in contact with Mike Webster, who's the regional supervisor for the mm-hmm. Greenville, Greenville-Wilson area, 
and north up in the coastal plain area and worked seven seven or eight seasons with Mike before I switched over working with Jim Rouse with high school. Uh, but then realized, Hey, uh, there's a possibility I could do college. So did some work as a supplemental official in the old West Virginia conference while I was actually living in Raleigh, uh, at the time worked there and then been in the ODAC and USA South since 2013 and had the opportunity to be selected to work, uh, state championship game in 2017 at the Havelock Charlotte Catholic game that year. Okay. So we can find you at some of our local high school games, correct? (laughs) Correct. We got the camera on you. You better not screw up. (laughs) I I think you've gotten my good side several times, Bailey. I probably have. my bad side a time or two, too. There you go. We appreciate you being with us. How do you feel about um, some local high school football being played in the spring this year? Uh, it's going to be interesting uh, that instead of starting when it's 90 degrees outside, yeah. taking heat and humidity timeouts, that uh, we're going to be layered up, and it might be 30, 40 degrees at kickoff, and then we finish the season, and it might be uh, 70, <laughs> 80 degrees, and yeah. we're having to take the heat, heat and humidity timeouts uh, in week seven and in the first, second round of the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I asked some of the coaches when it first broke that they were going to be playing in, in late February and in March, 1st of April, if they were going to try to play four o'clock games because of the weather and playing, you know, uh, you know, it'd be a little warmer anyway. But most of them said they were going to keep it the Friday night lights. So I think we're going to see some cold nights for high school football <laughs> coming up. Hopefully no snow. I, I mean, I, I mean, I've had some years, in, and I also do girls lacrosse, and I've had some years during lacrosse season that I hardly ever have worn long sleeve shirts <laughs> in March. Yeah. And but but those games also start at five o'clock versus mm-hmm. seven and seven thirty kickoffs. Right. Hey, who knows? That could be uh, coach or reffing some lacrosse games with you this spring. <laughs> you'll have to ca- <laughs> you'll have to carry her if she does. Hey. <laughs> What do you think, Bailey? You think you'll ever officiate in your career? No, actually, I did the same thing in intramurals when I was uh, at James Madison one year. Uh, I was um, uh, intramural. Uh, I did intramural softball, and at James Madison that year, they played in the stadium. So one Saturday morning, they, and they would take it in opposite it gets corners. Cold in there. And it, and it was it was February. We were playing softball, and I was umpiring, and it started snowing. And the people said, "Just keep let them keep playing. If they keep showing up, <laughs> let them play." So we were in two inches of snow playing softball. That's fun at that point. In fact, <laughs> as an official, you can you can relate to this. Uh, I was doing the championship for the. Uh, for, for the fraternities in softball. It was their championship. So all the sorority <laughs> girls were there. They're lining up the field, all the fraternities, and they're getting a rundown between second and third. And what happened, evidently, I got blocked on the play. But evidently, during the rundown, the runner put his shoulder up, and, and as the ball came you know, toward him, put his shoulder in and knocked the ball into the outfield, and three runs scored. Well, every sorority sister in James Madison in Harrisonburg was screaming at me. I didn't get invited to a party the rest of the year. And, and I was I was backing up, and I was telling them all, look, I know you're probably right. I was the only umpire. There was nobody to ask. I said, I didn't see it. I got blocked, and, man, I, 
I did not win <laughs> Homecoming King that year for sure. Oh my goodness! You probably were like, "Why are all these girls yelling at me?" Yeah. <laughs> so, in other words, Bailey, you didn't have a beverage waiting for you at the next. No, no, party. no. I didn't. Yeah, no. It was it was bad. So, Stephen, I do have one last question. When you go back and forth between high school and college officiating. Are there major differences? Like I know for lacrosse at times um, in high school, you'll have two games and sometimes in important games you'll have or heightened, um, you know, rivalries. You could have up to three umpire officials on the field. Is that the same with football or is there a set number for both high school and college? So in high school, with the exception of the regional finals and state championship, we're we're on a five-man crew in high school until we get late in the playoffs. College, we're always on a seven-man crew uh, at Division two and Division three level. And then you get up into the F- let's see, FCS. Most all of those are still seven-man crews, I believe. And then FBS is, is an eight-man crew. So uh, the biggest thing for me is knowing, uh, is remembering my keys at, mm-hmm. at my position. Uh we always joke as deep officials, uh, deep wings, that uh, we've got the easiest person to remember. We have the widest guy on our side is our initial key uh, on Saturday. So, And in high school, it's just remembering as a back judge who your key is based on the formation itself. Okay. That's pretty much all I had. Bailey, did you have any other questions? No, we certainly appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much. No problem. And, If anybody's ever interested in officiating any high school sports, we always need uh, additional officials at all all sports, not just football and lacrosse, but basketball as well and other sports. All right. We'll get that information out there. It is certainly fun to do and make a little extra cash. I've always enjoyed it and keeps my head in the game a little bit. So, (laughs) All right. For Nine Your Side, WNCT Sports Talk, I'm Kelsey O'Donnell, Brian Bailey, and Stephen Clayton. Thanks so much for listening.